this is Liam Hendricks, and you're watching Crosstown Crosstalk on the Barroom Network. Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Every summer in Chicago, the sunshine spotlights the city's spectacular skyline, its luxurious lakeshore, marvelous monuments, and the over 200 neighborhoods in the city. And it also brings to light two of the greatest sports franchises in the world. On the north side, it's the Cubs. On the south side, it's the White Sox. This is Crosstown Crosstown. Hello and welcome to a very special Cinco de Mayo edition of Crosstown Crosstalk presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vic Parisi and as you can see, Joey Parisi not here again. So what am I going to do to celebrate Cinco de Mayo? I'm going to bring in a very, very, very special guest, someone that I am a huge fan of. Of course, I'm talking about video host, producer, writer for Fansided. He has the DeWindy City podcast. Of course, he has the Baseball Insiders podcast with Robert Murray, WGN Radio, NBC Sports Chicago, Mark Carmen. Mark? What's up, Vinny? How's it going? <laughs> Good to see you, bud. Thanks for having me. Of course. It's my pleasure to have you on. I'm like a huge fan of yours. I like love having you on this show. And I listen to Baseball Insiders. I love listening to you and Robert Murray talk about baseball. It's just, it's what I do. So I'm a big fan. I'm happy to have you on. Oh, I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. And I, uh, you're, you're, you're killing, kicking ass as per always. And, uh, and thank you, by the way, for all the social, uh, social media support that you've thrown my way. So uh, I, I, I very much appreciate it. Absolutely. So, of course, we're going to talk about baseball. The main show of the show is is to talk about baseball. But I got to get your thoughts on a couple of things. First things first. Last week was the 2022 NFL draft. The Chicago Bears were absent in the first round due to trading up in the 2021 draft to select Justin Fields. They didn't make their first pick until 39 of the second round. They kind of went kind of against what people thought were their needs in the first two picks of the second round. I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. So I loved the Bears draft. Uh, I, I think that the media and maybe myself included here, actually, I guess definitely myself included, wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, fix the offensive line. Those are their needs. Bears had needs all over the field. Bears needed a quarterback. Bears needed a safety. Bears needed a good linebacker. I mean, it's kind of an underlining to me how bad of a job that Ryan Pace did. I mean, that covered is pretty damn bare. And, Hopefully the quarterback is good, but we'll find out, you know? So I get it. There wasn't a lot of support for Justin Fields last year. But uh, look, nine offensive linemen get taken in the first round, eight wide receivers, not as many cornerbacks. You need a cornerback. You were, you're shocked that Kyler Gordon's there at 39. You think he's going to step in and start right away? I don't see the problem here. It makes a lot of sense to me what they did. and. Then at 48, they weren't expecting Brisker to be there. Some people think this might be the best safety in the draft. So I have no problem with that. And then, okay, uh, Valus, 
He was the, supposedly the Bears overdrafted him. Maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. Pretty interesting skill set. Four three, gunner on special teams, punt returner, kick returner. Use him out of the backfield. Use him in the flat. Get Justin Fields perhaps some easy targets. I got no problem with that. I, I see how they're thinking. And then let's take a bunch of spins at some offensive linemen and a dude who just transitioned from wide receiver to linebacker who's got a high ceiling. The philosophy here is solid to me. I, I, I like what they did. Yeah, I agree with you completely. And Velas Jones Jr., I like the pick be, for one reason. I heard Ryan Poles, I'm sure you've, said, you've heard it by this point too. He talked about how him and Justin watched lots of film on some of these wide receivers together. And Velas was on his short list of players that he believed he could work with. That means a lot to me. I don't know if that's something you consider big, but it kind of makes, makes sense to me. Yeah, I don't know if he's quite earned that yet, Vinny. I mean, this is not Aaron Rodgers. This is, yeah. you know, you you had a bad rookie season. You flashed, you had your moments, but you had a very pedestrian rookie year. And I and listen, I get it. Bears fans are defending the living bejesus out of uh, uh, of Justin Fields, and nobody wants to f- go down the path that he's not a good quarterback. That's fine, but. I don't think that I'm sitting there. I think it's great they included him. Let's watch some tape. What do you think of this guy? But I don't think you need Justin Fields' quote approval on who you're drafting. I think getting his opinion, okay, I get it. Sure, he's one of if he's he's the most important person on the roster. I agree with that. So let's have him. Let's build a bond. Let's sit down. Let's try to see things together. What do you see? What do I see? And this is what we're gonna do. That's fair. And one thing Ryan Pace was okay with, okay at in his tenure with the Chicago Bears was drafting late in the in the draft, you know, picks four through or rounds four through seven, rather. The Bears traded back. They ended up going from, you know, a single digit number of picks. They ended up with 11 total picks in the entire draft. What was your take on that? Do you like the players they took? They even took a punter. Yeah, well, they need a punter. I, I don't know why they had to get rid of Pat O'Donnell. That was my no. guy that I, I enjoyed Pat O'Donnell. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, they started day three with three picks. They ended up with eight. And I think they probably wanted to trade down in the second round. But the players that were there, whatever value they were being offered, their calculations were that it wasn't worth it to do. And so it put more of a premium on, well, we got to fill out this roster. And by the way, let's take some big swings here. It might hit, might not hit. And so we're going to draft four offensive linemen on day three. Maybe Braxton Jones is good. Maybe he's not. Maybe the center from Illinois can do it. A lot of people like the center Kramer. I mean, I have no idea. So, but, but again, I go back to draft philosophy and these guys size wise and, uh, you know, just, just on paper, could they develop? Can you coach them up? Seems like they fall under the umbrella of yes to both of those. So maybe they'll be able to hit on one of these guys. Um, the biggest thing that I always like to bring up Vinny, as far as drafting goes, I, I always go back to basketball and I go back to 1984 and I go back to the number two overall draft and the Portland trail Blazers were sitting there and they were like, Oh, we have to have a center. And Bobby Knight's talking to Portland. He's like, well, they just play Jordan at center. Yeah, no, no, we're going to take, we're going to draft for, for position. So we're going to take Sam Dam Bowie and, and the greatest player to ever play anything ends up with the bulls. I mean, like you can make such huge mistakes when you draft for quote-unquote need take the best damn player because you're not going to go wrong that if worse comes to worse you can always trade the dude 
if you have surplus. So that's not exactly what the Bears did in the later rounds, but they took, I think, big swings in trying to hit, and they added on some depth. I liked what the, I liked what day three looked like. Yeah, I agree completely. I'm totally fine with the draft. I like going best player available a lot of the times. Of course, you have needs in mind if it's a tiebreaker. If two guys are equal, then the tiebreaker might be the need. But for sure, I'm with you on that. And really good comparison with Michael Jordan there. You brought up Justin Fields a little bit earlier, questioning. You know, we all hope he's the guy. There's no doubt about it. They they used some hefty capital to trade up and get him. And he wasn't that good last year. He, like you said, he had moments. There was the Pittsburgh game where he made some nice throws. I think he led the NFL according to pro pro football focus in percent completion percentage to players that weren't considered open. I know that's like a crazy step, but to me that tells you a little something about him. What do you think we're going to see in year two? It's a great question. Cause we don't know. Uh, Look, I, I think he will be better. I believe in Matt Eberflus. I, although, you know, the Bears are doing what they've always done: hire a first-time GM, never done it before; hire a first-time head coach, hire a first-time offensive coordinator. Well, Luke Etsy crushed it up in in Green Bay. Well, a he wasn't the coordinator, and b he was working with Aaron Rodgers. So, can these guys do it? They've been around the game forever. And, you know, as far as Eberflus goes, he's, you know, Cowboys, Colts, you know, he's he's had success where he's been. So I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that they can do it. Now, you aren't, you know, overflowing in help for Justin Fields right now. I think, you know, who knows what the rest of the offseason looks like. Do they add Will Fuller or Jarvis Landry or, or Odell Beckham Jr.? I don't know, something crazy like that. Uh, you know, who gets released come training camp that somehow, some way fits on the Bears and the Bears can turn them into something. Uh, you, you know, that all, all that's possible. Uh, Jakeem Grant was an interesting piece last year and he wasn't around at this time. So, you know, I don't want to be trading sixth round picks necessarily uh, for a team that, it, you know, it, listen, if Justin Fields plays great football next year and the Bears defense just isn't there yet, because uh, who's rushing the quarterback? Uh, can we really, you know, I, I have a hard time believing that Robert Quinn's going to do, you know, another 18-sack season here. And Khalil Mack wasn't great last year, but he had his, you know, at least a couple of moments. I, they really haven't, I just don't know how this defense is going to function. Point being, if they lose a bunch of games 30-28, to 35-33, and then they end up with a high pick next year and Fields has a great season, that'd be, to me, the ultimate win. Because you're not ready to win, and so if you can get a you know a top call it eight pick, and add on to what they're building here, that would be sweet. So I, but I'm I'm in you know steps forward, significant steps forward. Doesn't need to make the Pro Bowl, doesn't need to win a lot of games, but look comfortable by the middle of the season. I think would be a, a huge win for Justin Fields. So it's fair to say that in the first couple months of Ryan Poles as the Chicago Bears general manager, he's off on the right foot, in the opinion of Mark Carmen. Yes, absolutely. There's a different vibe to me about the whole thing. Like, I don't know. Matt, Matt Nagy, to me, it always felt like we were dealing with just somebody who was trying to sell you something. And Eberflus has had a couple of comments that I've just, like my, you should be a junior college coach, head is flashing. 
because well, it's really great with me and Ryan because you know our offices are right next to each other, and if, if I got something, I, I can just pop out. I'm like, that sounds like something a high school coach would say. What the hell does it matter where your offices are? Like, what are you talking about? But that was just one comment, and okay, we can just let that go. Um, but I, so overall, when they're speaking, and even on draft day, like the the, the emotions. Uh, that Poles was having when he's making his first call to to uh, to Gordon and saying like you know just hey you do you want to be a Chicago Bear and you can see it welling up on him I appreciate it same thing with Flus and Bayless Jones like okay these are real people there there's some tenderness going on I I enjoyed it so yes I, I'm at at this point in time I'm positive I'm both the GM and the head coach outstanding well we hope the Bears are able to develop what they got in the draft this year and keep the quarterback moving forward and get back to winning. Cause I'm sick and tired of watching this team just be bad year after year with a, with a first place season sprinkled in here and there. So yeah. yeah right. been. So um, we're going to switch over to baseball. We got a lot of baseball going before we even think about training camp, which you'll snap your finger. and It'll be training camp for the NFL. I, I saw the rookies arrived at Hallis hall today, I believe, but you know, baseball is off and running. It's still chilly outside. We'll get warm weather eventually. But the White Sox have got off to a very interesting start after going 93 and 69 last year. I'm curious. You probably went into this season with expectations that they will run away with the American League Central Division. It just hasn't been that hot to start the year. Yeah, I think the Sox are going to thank the Cubs when this thing is all said and done. I don't know if they'll actually thank them, but I do feel like a jump start just happened the last two days. You had. Uh, a weird atmosphere there on Tuesday night with the rain coming down, but yet still a little bit of extra intensity, certainly for a May baseball game. And then last night was borderline playoff atmosphere. I mean, there was there was some intensity to that four three game, and of course the White Sox sweeping the series. And I and I, and I think that they can perhaps at least use this as a jump start going into play Boston, and then coming home with Cleveland and the Yankees, um, and then and then you got the Royals. So. Uh, Maybe we can get on a little bit of a run here. Uh, but look, there was, you know, the White Sox were dealing with a lot at the start of the season. Lance Lynn being out, that didn't help. Now you got Eloy going down. Um, where, you know, we haven't seen Moncada. It's, it's, you know, these are not exactly, you know, Jose Ruiz. So uh, I, it has been a little bit shocking the way the season has started that we're 30 games in basically and the White Sox are going to be an under 500 team or 500 team at best but uh i still look at that division and think they're going to win it i don't nice start minnesota twins byron buxton you're sweet when healthy but he's played over 120 games once in his career uh, i do think carlos correa is going to get a whole lot hotter and start hitting the ball to the ballpark but i i do i am still very optimistic on the white Sox. Absolutely. And you look at the Vegas lines, they're still the favorite in the American League Central, the highest World Series odds of any team there. The Twins are they're a good team, but I agree. Byron Buxton, he's a game changer, MVP caliber talent. But I think he'll come down and I think Correa will come up. So the White Sox got to take care of the Twins. There's the extra playoff team. But the pitching on this team, you brought up Lance Lynn. Um, you combine him with Dylan Cease, who's been outstanding. Michael Kopech has an ERA under 1.2. Um, Lucas Giolito's outstanding. He made two mistake pitches yesterday that were hit to Pluto, but outside of that, he had 10 strikeouts and looked really good so far. It's a really nice top four. And then you're either running out Vincent Velasquez or Dallas Keuchel. The rotation's good. So I'm thought on your, the pitching total. 
Well, to me, the story of the early season is Kopech. The, yeah. the, this was, you know, a guy that was in the bullpen last year. Now he's starting, and he's nails. I mean, 23 innings, 13 hits. He he has walked a little bit more than you like, but uh, he's striking out, a, you know, a, a guy in inning as well. So, ah, I mean, and he looks healthy, right? So that in itself is enormous. It's not just you've just got a starter, but you look like you might have a top-end starter, which is what we've all been wanting Michael Kopech to be. So that is a huge development. You put Lynn back in there. Uh, I mean, I think we all are seeing that the Dallas is at best a fifth starter at this point and or swing guy or a you know DFA candidate here. I mean, that's 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 on the table because it's the last year of his contract and there just wasn't a whole lot of room for error with with Dallas when you're at when you're on that fine of a margin and things start to go just a little bit south. It's it's tough to, you know, compete in the big leagues. I don't think any of us saw it going this south this quick, but it, you know, optimism for Dallas Cutco wasn't exactly overflowing before the season too. So, look, uh, the White Sox can always add a starter. There'll be plenty available, and you don't have to add necessarily the top end. If Lynn comes back and he is that uh, or close to that, and Lucas is there and Kopech, you're riding solid, man. And you know, so and and Cease, I mean, it's real nice. So again, like okay, when all the pieces start coming together here, it just it points to the White Sox getting on quite a run. Absolutely, Kopech walks up a little bit. I still think. There have been two games in a row now where he pitched in less than ideal weather conditions and he still has an ERA under two. So you just see that with that type of talent, you combine that with a little more luck maybe and some more offensive support and maybe a couple more innings. I think we could be seeing something real special and Cease passes the eye test as well as any pitcher on the team. So that's exciting. Last night against the Cubs, I thought Wilson Contreras was going to put the Cubs ahead for good in that ball that he hit to center field. It looked like it was going to go out off the bat. But then it died in the outfield, and it looked like if it went off the wall, there were men on, they were going to score and give the Cubs the lead. But Luis Robert made an outstanding catch and then crashed into the brick walls that they think is safe at Wrigley Field. (laughs) I'm curious to know what you think of Luis Robert. What do you think his ceiling is? Are you on that he can be an MVP caliber player bandwagon with the rest of White Sox Nation? I'm right there, man. Why would you take any chips off the Robert table? Uh, I'll, I'll I would like to see if I'm going to nitpick Luis. He always looks to me, at least at the start of games, like his body is just tired. He's like sort of lugging himself around. And I I do wonder what that's all about. But uh, I listen, speed, power, uh, just all around elite ability, the arm, um, you know, there's just a lot, there's a million things to like here. Uh, does swing early in the count, drives you nuts at times. Um, but he also, you know, has the benefit of playing every day with a guy like Jose Abreu, which you're going to learn some things about how to pr- approach and at bat, how to approach the game when you're around a vet like that. So, uh, I, I'm all in on what Luis is going is and what he's going to be. And he's part of an offense that, You would think that when everybody's healthy is just scoring lots of runs. Tim Anderson, when healthy, they'll have Jan Moncada and Eloy Jimenez back. Um, Jose Abreu, Andrew Vaughn, Yasmani Grandal. I mean, the crew is outstanding. 
but they've been slow to start the season. They've played one game above 65 degree weather. I know a lot of people are using the weather as an excuse, but you've played baseball before, Mark. You know it's easier to play the game when you're feeling good out there and don't feel like crap. So what do you think of the offense in general? Uh, yeah, the weather thing's always interesting. Well, when it warms up, the White Sox will, the, the, the bats will come too. But I, I actually tend to think that's correct. It's just that that's going to be the case for most teams. Yeah. Look, I, I think the offense is going to be there. What you know, I don't even know in that whole soliloquy that you even mentioned Andrew Vaughn, uh, who's now on the ten day IL. But who don't you like? Okay, fine. You're not going to get a lot of production from second base right now. But uh, and Grandal is you know having having a slow start to the year. But every time that guy comes to the plate, I think he's going to do something. Maybe I'm an idiot, but that's how, like, I just I like his approach. I like a guy who takes bitches, and the power is still there. So, uh, you know, the Eli thing is 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 irritating, uh, and you feel bad for him. But it, this goes to a take that I put out on the Baseball Insiders that you probably heard of. Any like, do not play hard. Hey, Eloy, uh, it's okay. You 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 hit a tapper down to third base. It's gonna be a bang bang play at, at first. You, you can go 60% down the line, dude. You can be out by a step. I just want you in the lineup 150 times, not 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 80 times. So, and you have proven by karate kicking the left field wall or flying into the the, the netting down the left field line or running down to first base, you're really not a durable guy. You 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 don't you don't fall into the oh how the hell did he not hurt himself there category. You fall in the I'm going to get hurt category. So. I, and it's hard to teach that to someone, but I, I wish he would play more that way. But when he comes back, I expect him to hit because he's Eloy, super talented. Yeah, he had one of the best – he had one of the most developed bats that I think a young player coming through the White Sox has ever had. So in his rookie year when he had 31 bombs, even getting hurt that year too, like you said, trying to karate chop a wall, that's always going to be the case with the guy. And every time a ball is hit to left field, I swear – I like hold my breath. And then of course this year he gets hurt running the first. I, I, I forgot about hanging over the wall too. Let's yeah, uh, you, you know what I mean? Work. My God. Yeah. It's just tough with this guy. But like you said, when he's in the, you, everybody says, Oh, maybe it's time to start thinking about trading him. You're, then he's going to be with another team. Okay. Let's trade him with the diamondbacks so he can hit 40 for them. You know, it's just, it's, it's a crazy thought to me. I really hope he gets back and stays healthy. One last thing on the white Sox, Tony La Russa. interesting lineups. All season long, he just can't get enough of Leary Garcia. He loves the guy. The lineups are a little strange. Not throwing Kendall Graveman out there last night, even though he got through the seventh with just six pitches. I mean, what do you think? So I was a big fan of the hire. I did not think that Tony La Russa had forgotten baseball and or could not get up to speed. And last year basically worked out until the playoffs uh, as far as him getting along with his the guys about as well as it could, right? I mean, you go back to uh, who? Why am I why am I spacing on um, uh, the DH who went eight for eight to start the season last year? Oh, you mean Mercedes? You're mean Mercedes, and and uh, and Tony calling him out, and then the locker room kind of coming together like, well, Tony's Tony's the, the, our, our old uncle and we've, we've got his back and all that, all that type of stuff. But it is odd. Some of these things are odd. Pitching to Byron Buxton is odd. I didn't even like yesterday 
Liam Hendrick, you got the job done in the night. You're throwing him three days in a row. And I know it wasn't a lot of pitches in day one and day two, but it's May, man. Like, and and and, and that's your guy at the back end. I didn't I didn't love that either on a very on a nitpick. So I thought the, the White Sox were going to have an edge in the dugout with Tony. And I wouldn't say that right now. I, I'm not saying they're at a huge disadvantage because of him, but I don't feel like when I'm watching the game that 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 Tony's going to bring the White Sox five or eight more wins in a season, however you measure these things for managers. To me, managers matter. Baseball's trying to not pay big money to them, but I, the guy that is actually keeping the team moving each day and sits there and makes a ton of decisions, I think that dude matters. And I, I don't – to me, like Tony's more in the middle right now as far as – giving a team an edge or not giving a team an edge. And that to me is actually disappointing for sure. And then over on the North side of town, the Cubs are nine and 15. Are they a bad team or are they going to kind of get closer to 500 as the season goes along? No, they're, they're a bad baseball team. And to my uh, Cub fan brethren out there, David Kaplan, um, he's been on this show. Oh, right. I'm I'm sure he has. Cap is uh, a very amenable guy to coming on. Mm -hmm. We we love Cap. This is not uh, anything but a rebuild in my mind. And and the Cubs are a long way away. So I I saw, I think it was uh, in The Athletic today, Patrick Mooney saying that this feels a whole lot like 2012. That's what it is to me. This is the start. You, this is when you had David DeJesus running out there. Dudes, I mean, I Rivas at first, uh, Frank Schwindel and Patrick Wisdom. None of these guys are going to be there when they actually do it, I don't think. So, and I don't know what the hell is going on with Wilson Contreras. To me, it's very bizarre. He, this is a leadership dude that you should be all in on or should have been traded forever you could get by now. Why are you running it out to the deadline once again with and doing the same thing that you did with Brian, Javi, and Rizzo? You got nothing. You you Apparently, you made a great trade with Javi and got Pete Kerr Armstrong, who's knocking it around at Myrtle Beach and is playing great baseball. But, you know, w- with Chris Bryant, you got prospect 9 and prospect 30 from the Giants because it was at the deadline and nobody else wanted him. So, I, I just – I don't get – the, the the Jed philosophy with, with Contreras. Uh, and also, hey, just go all in on it. Kyle Hendricks, where do you want to go? Because we're not going to make you wait through three years of this and y- you almost fall under the, the Dallas Keuchel. Um, you're going to be good for a while, but when you go south, they're going to they're gonna kick the crap out of that guy because the margins are small. Yep. So I, I, don't, I don't know. I, it's just... The, the concept that the next great Cubs team is right around the corner seems pretty crazy to me. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Kyle Hendricks is already – he gets knocked around like Keiko. Those were both contact-driven pitchers who rely on their defense and ground balls and, you know, low-velocity, high-accuracy-type guys. And once Keiko stopped painting the strike zone like he did, we saw what happened. So I hope it happens to – I hope it doesn't happen to Kyle sooner – than Keuchel, but we'll see what happens there. You brought up Contreras, so it sounds to me like you think they – obviously they need to make a decision. 
would you sign him long term? I'm looking at his numbers yesterday and I'm like, that doesn't exactly scream 100 mil over eight or six years for me. I don't know. What do you think? At this point with Wilson, I'd let it play out and I would, and depending on where the top of the market is, most likely I'm going to, I will be there. If somebody wants to really come in and overpay to the moon for Wilson Contreras, then okay, I blew this one and, and we'll let him go. But a catcher in his thirties who, who, you know, doesn't you know, hits for power, but doesn't it, you know, he's, he's, you're not going to sign him and think you're going to get 30 bombs from the guy. So I, I think in the offseason, whatever his contract will be, will be palatable to the Cubs. So that's that's how I would play it. Or and it's fine. Make him an offer right now as to what you're willing to pay and see if he'll do it. I would do that too. But I um, I would not trade him for pennies on the dollar. I, I just and, – and say goodbye to a guy like that who, to me, he's like a Yadi Molina type who can be there until the end and, and be the heart and soul of your team. For sure. I completely agree. They they got one of the bigger fish free agents in this offseason, kind of last minute. They ended up with Seiya Suzuki, who was the rookie of the month, rookie of the week, or player of the month, I think he was even. Um, just an outstanding start for him, but he's cooled off a little bit. The White Sox did not allow a single hit from the rookie phenomenon. What do you think of that guy? So it's concerning, right? He was, uh, oh, this guy's got it figured out. This guy's nailed Okay. So we're 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 a month into the season, and they have adjusted to him clearly, and now he's got to have to make the adjustment back. I think he will. Yeah, I think he will. But it is kind of interesting that it took all of eight seconds, seemingly, for his strengths to be dissected by Major League Baseball. These guys are good at what they do. So we'll, I, I would bet on him making the adjustments. But I there was also like a. The, the feeling at the start, like, oh, my God, the Cubs got themselves a huge winner here, and he still was the NL Rookie of the Month and all that. But I, I, I do think um, it's at least somewhat concerning that this is where he is right now, and we'll, we'll see how quickly he can you know counter back and, and be cl- closer to the player he was at the very beginning of the season. 100%. Um, you host the DeWindy City podcast. I write for DeWindy City. An article I wrote for DeWindy City over the winter was that the Cubs should trade Patrick Wisdom and Frank Schwindel. (laughs) People did not like that. My logic was 29-year-old rookies don't don't normally get much better. If anything, they start to show that they were a one-hit wonder. I'm not saying they're one-hit wonders. I'm not saying they're bad, but the Cubs could have maximized their value during the offseason. Do you agree? Yeah, I'm just not sure what their value was. I would assume the pushback was based on that. You're not getting anything for these guys, so you might as well keep them. Uh, but you're, the concept that if there was something out there of value for either of them, hell's yes, let's go. I'm with Vinny. All chips in. I, I'm going to bet that this was your ceiling. I mean, w- with wisdom, you 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 see the all or nothing, and I don't yeah. trust him at third either. It's it's to me, it's a little bit of a, an adventure. Schwindel's kind of adorable uh, in his own Schwinny way, but um, you know I don't. I think it's pretty obvious that neither of these guys are high end talents. Absolutely. How fun is it hosting a podcast with Robert Murray? That guy's breaking deals and <laughs> trades, and I've had him on this show once, and then I feel like I annoy him sometimes when I ask him for White Sox and Cubs tidbits. But I'm a huge fan of his too. What's that like? Bert is one of the more unique people I have come across in the fan-sided family. 
he is uh, well ahead of the curve of where you're supposed to be at 25 years old as far as making a name for himself in the business. So it's it's fun to sort of be partnering with one of the the young high flyers, if you will. But uh, you know, it's just more than anything else with Robert. He he is always smiling and fun to be around and just in a good mood. So uh, it's been a lot of fun during the Baseball Insiders. We're going to start doing some live shows here, um, tapping into Robert's considerable baseball network on the fly. So it, it should uh, should be a lot of fun. Awesome. I'm excited to you know be a fan of all that. Can't wait to see it all. Um, before I let you go, I can't let Mark Carmen escape here without giving me a tidbit on the Bulls. Crazy season. Um, really good in the beginning, DeMar DeRozan getting MVP chance. I've only heard MVP chance as a fan watching the games at the United Center for two people, Derek Rose and Patrick Kane. Both of them ended up winning it in those seasons. I don't think DeMar DeRozan is going to win it, but it was cool to feel the MVP chance at a Chicago stadium once again. Um, yeah, we heard him for Jose at Guaranteed Rate Field too, but there was the COVID year. Um, what's your thought? Are they going to be back? So... So to speak to that part of it, it really felt good and fun to me that in the playoffs, even though they got killed in both three and four at home, when they did the introduction, it felt like the Bulls intro again. Uh, like in DeMar, they when they announced him first, which he should be last, but they announced him first. And it's like, oh, a really, really loud, passionate, fun connected to the team United Center. We haven't had that since Derek and you know I, I never thought that I would hear the intro mean anything to me after Michael. And then Derek came along and changed that where it actually felt like the the last name being called was sort of worthy of that Jordan slot. And DeMar, you know, I would obviously Michael is Michael, so that's always going to be number 1 there. But Derek was a great number 2. And to me, DeMar's a good 3. Uh, and, and, and back in the Rose days, like just hearing Noah's name was a ton of fun. Uh, but to your question, Vinny, like, I think the bulls are super fun next year. Billy Donovan after game five is already talking about, it's going to be hard for us to duplicate what we did this year because we kind of got off to a great start and sort of cut the league by surprise. And now we have a little bit more of a target that we're a good team and people will scheme for us. That's all true, but assuming big assumptions, but assuming that Lonzo ball and Zach both get healthy and Zach's back and they played played together for a year. You add in the 18th pick in the draft or whatever they acquire for that pick and a veteran's exception one more year together. Caruso back healthy. I owe a year better, probably trading Kobe white. Maybe you get an interesting piece um, or you keep Kobe white because you couldn't get anything for him. I think he'll be a year better. I don't, I don't hate Kobe white like everybody else does. I'm not saying he's any great player, but dude can shoot. So, uh, at least on a good day. So I, I, I think the Bulls are going to be a ton of fun next year. I don't think it's, I mean, they could end up being at the bottom of the conference, but I still think it's a fun year. Bottom of the conference being bottom of the playoff round, six, seven, eight. East is loaded, man. Miami is good. Milwaukee is good. Boston is good. Philly, you know, next year should be good. Uh, the Nets are going to be tough next year, uh, I would think. It, it, I don't know what the hell is going to happen with Ben Simmons, but assuming that – even without him, Kyrie and KD for a whole year. I mean, East is tough. So I don't expect them to crack any of those teams I named, but I think they'll be a fun team. 
Absolutely. And I'm looking forward to it very much. I, I'm not the basketball is my fourth sport, but this year I will say it took a leap forward. There was a large gap between the top three in basketball. I had so much fun this year and I know I'm a bandwagoner and I'm, I'm trying to expand my knowledge. I understood everything you said. So that that's a step in the right direction. So I know you got a lot going on when last year, when Chuck Garfine wasn't on, you replaced him on NBC Sports Chicago. That was so cool to me. That felt like a win for me seeing you on there, even though I had nothing to do with it. Um, promote what you're doing. Tell people what you got going on. Yeah, that that's the plan. I, um, I I think I'll be jumping in for Chuck at some point here whenever Chuck decides he wants to take a day off. Last year, uh, I didn't know that that would be happening at this time uh, this year. I, I kind of do. So um, hopefully – He'll he'll take a vacation before before Memorial Day weekend, um, but that's what I got in last year. So uh, look forward to that. And uh, the Windy City, we're live at five on Mondays, and we're going to be expanding that show uh, a bunch coming up here. So looking forward to whatever that's going to be. Um, I'm around WGN some. We'll be back. Uh, you know, we just did the draft show with Hamp and OB, and that show will be obviously coming around come football season. And uh, what else do I got going on? I think that's it. Uh, you know, there's always stuff at fan side. If you check out the fan side of YouTube stuff, a um, lot, lot of things up there. I had an interview with uh, Shaquille O'Neal and Sloan Stevens, um, tennis star. That was interesting. They were working with Icy Hot, and we talked about fan heckling. Sloan's been, has been, you know, sent terrible things when she's lost matches. And Shaq actually talked about when he was in high school down in Texas, stuff that went on, and even at LSU, kind of in relation to, what happened this year with Kyrie and Russell Westbrook? Like, it was just bizarre to me that Russell Westbrook cares that people are calling him Westbrook. Like, who that dude? You make thirty-five million dollars. They can call you whatever they want to call you, as far as that's concerned. And it and it irks Shaq too. But just hearing about what they went through, and, and it was it's it's a it's a nice little piece. So always stuff popping up, Vinny. I really appreciate you coming on, and again, all the support, man. You're awesome. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on. It was absolutely my pleasure. Everybody make sure you're following at the Carm on twitter.com. And we would like to send you to a quick commercial break. Zim, Joe, Vinny, and Gonzo. Join these White Sox fanatics every Monday night for the South Burbs Hitmen. You're going to be treated to great guests, top analysis, smart debates. South Burbs Hitmen with Zim, Joe, Benny, and Gonzo only on the Barroom Network. Yes, everybody, make sure you're tuning in to South Burbs Hitmen every Monday night. It is an absolute blast doing this stuff. I mean, we're talking White Sox on Monday. We're talking hockey on Wednesday. And then we've got all baseball all day here on Crosstown Crosstalk every Thursday at 2 p.m. I can't thank Mark Carmen enough. People probably think that when I have these guests on, I, you know, I'm, I'm nice to everybody. I can't thank everybody who comes on enough. But when it comes to someone like Mark Carmen, it's honestly like, I'm, I'm really excited to have that guy on the show because of what he's done for Fansided, which I currently work for, and seeing the stuff he does with NBC Sports Chicago and WGN and having the podcast with Robert Murray. It's just all stuff that resonates with me, so it was my pleasure to have him on. Thank you, Mark, very, very much. I thought all the answers on the NBA, NFL, and MLB were very, very thoughtful, and I can't thank him enough for his time. So thank you, Mark. Yesterday, the Chicago White Sox completed the sweep over the Chicago Cubs. That was obviously 
good for me. I'm a White Sox fan. I like the White Sox. They beat the Cubs four to three. It was a tough game. Um, the Cubs played them well. I think the Cubs are always going to play the White Sox well, especially when the White Sox are good and the Cubs are bad. Because I think it's the it's reverse roles when it was the other way. The White Sox kind of took care of the Cubs a little bit sometimes when they played them in the Crosstown Classic when the Cubs were a National League pennant contender. Um, it's always a good series. And I do remember a long time ago, Hawk Harrelson had like a little segment when the White Sox played the Cubs. I think it was Hawk Harrelson about how whoever got the better of the other in that series went on to do some pretty good things in that season. There was a year where the Cubs beat the White Sox and they were like five games out of first. And after sweeping the White Sox, they went on and won the NL Central Division. I believe they took it from the Cardinals. I would have to go back and look at all the facts and what year it was. But there was a year, all the years, the Crosstown Classic really helps influence where these teams go. So it was good to see the White Sox after uh, you know a slow start to the season. They were 9-13 and 13 going into the series, and so were the Cubs. And now the Cubs are 9-15, and 15 and the White Sox are 11-13. and 13. Which record would you rather have? Well, the White Sox got a long way to go. I mean – if the season ended today, they would not be in the playoffs, even with the expanded playoffs, but they're only a couple games behind the Minnesota twins who are off to a blistering start in the uh, American league central division. I think if the white Sox can really play well against Boston, they're going to be out pitching out pitched in terms of matchups on paper going into the series. I believe they will see Nathan Eovaldi. Michael Walk has got an under two ERA for Boston. Uh, I'm not sure who else is going to be on the mound for them. Their bullpen, they blow a lot of games. Um, their offense is usually spectacular. I mean, they got Devers, Rafael Devers, J.D. Martinez, as me and Joey would call him, Jumbo Dong Martinez. Um, who else? Oh, Xander Bogarts. I mean, this team is just loaded with outstanding players offensively, and they haven't hit the ball that well so far this season. And the White Sox have to be a team that keep them down for one more series, and then they could go off. I don't care what happens beyond that. And then, you know, that's at Fenway Park. They'll return home and play against the Cleveland Guardians at Guaranteed Right Field. It'll be the Guardians' first ever trip with that namesake to Chicago. So I'm very much looking forward to that. I'm not looking forward to seeing Jose Ramirez step into Guaranteed Right Field batter's box. That guy always torches them. And then you got one of the best teams in the American League, the New York Yankees, coming to Guaranteed Right Field. That will have a show in between now and then to talk about the Yankee series, though. So I'll expect a lot of Yankees flair on next week's Bar Network's Crosstown Crosstalk. I'm very excited about the Yankees series. I'll probably be at the Saturday game. So excited to see the Yankees roll into town. That's always fun. They do come to the north side this year too, which is I think it'll only be their fifth time ever visiting Wrigley Field in 120 years, which is definitely interesting. If you have a chance to go see the Yankees at Wrigley Field, you can see the Yankees at Guaranteed Ray Field every year. But, you know, it's going to be fun to see. So the Cubs – I, I don't know. Mark thinks they're a bad team. I think they're a bad team. I would get rid of Wilson Contreras. I would. A lot of people would say no. I used to say no. Now I say yes. This team's not going anywhere while Wilson Contreras is smashing baseballs with his bat. They're not. Frank Schwindel and Patrick Wisdom are not the answer. You don't have 30-year-old rookies beating the answer. And by the time Ed Howard, Brennan Davis, Braylon Marquez, Peter Crow Armstrong – all these guys that the Cubs have in their really nice minor league system, they're not going to be ready by the time Wilson Contreras is exiting his prime. They're just not. You got to look at the White Sox. You want to be a good team? Look at or, or the old Cubs back in the day. You know, they traded Jeff Samarja. You know, 
all the good players that they had on their team back then, the few that there were in the 2010, 2011, they let them go. The White Sox did the same thing. Chris Sale, gone. Adam Eaton, gone. Um, Jose Quintana, gone. Melky Cabrera, gone. The only one they kept was Jose Abreu. And the loyalty paid off there, but I think it's a little bit different of a story with that. Um, you know, that, that's just kind of where I stand on the whole thing. So it's going to be interesting to see how the rest of this baseball season goes. If there's anything that I can beg baseball fans to keep an eye on right now, kind of veering away from the Chicago scene, it is the National League West. Me and Joey talked about this division on this show pretty much weekly last year. We almost had like a weekly segment where we talked about the NL West and what was going on there. I mean, you got four teams in that division that are pretty fun to watch. We're talking about the Los Angeles Dodgers, the San Francisco Giants, the San Diego Padres, and the Colorado Rockies. The Arizona Diamondbacks, eh, eh, no, not that great. But, you know, I'm excited to watch that division going forward. The White Sox play them this year. That's a wrinkle in their schedule. They don't play against those teams very often. Um, I can't remember the last time. It had to be like three or four years ago. I know it's every three years, but like I think COVID threw a wrench in there. It just feels like a long time since they played the Padres and the Dodgers. So I'm very much looking forward to that. And then the Cubs, they got the Dodgers this weekend. You know, the Dodgers, they're they're relentless, man. You watch them and they don't like they don't necessarily blow your mind with how good they are, but then you look at their roster and it's like you got Bellinger and Betts and Freddie Freeman and Max Muncie, you know, um, Trey Turner, Justin Turner, their pitching staff, Arias and Walker Buehler and Clayton Kershaw. It's just, it's unbelievable. They got MVPs and Cy Young candidates all over the place over there in LA. So I'm very much looking forward to seeing how they match up against the Cubs this weekend at Wrigley Field. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, tonight, in terms of baseball, both the White Sox and the Cubs are off. Kind of surprising they played on Tuesday knowing that they were both off today, but it is what it is. Um, the White Sox got that series win. They're both headed to opposite sides. Well, no, the Cubs are staying home, and the White Sox are going to the East Coast, play Boston, as I mentioned. So it's going to be fun. Make sure you're tuning into all of that. Also, I know tonight a lot of comic book fans are going to be checking out Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. We'll be there. Ain't no different on that front for us. I know I'm waiting for Joey to call me as soon as this show's over. We're going to head over to the movie theater and, you know, catch the flick. And we're very excited to talk to you about it on Wednesday's Bar Down Talking Hockey. And, of course, the Stanley Cup playoffs are going strong. Everybody send at Joey Parisi a note on Twitter and just say I'm sorry. The Bruins are down 2-0 to the Carolina Hurricanes. Not good. I took a huge L last night with the Toronto Maple Leafs going down to the um, Tampa Bay Lightning, but the series is tied 1-1. I also took a big dub when the Minnesota Wild defeated the St. Louis Blues. That show is going to get rowdy as the playoff season goes along here. I mean, the hockey show, I could scream at Joey and Frankie each for hours on that show. I mean, they're just both so dumb and i'm so dumb too and when you get three dumb guys together talking about a sport that they love very much you get bar down talking hockey so make sure you tune into that next weekend and then of course tonight you could catch the series finale of draft on tap at eight o'clock central it's going to be a lot of fun courtney cronin from espn and chris emma from the score are going to come on there and give some reports on what's going on with you know, the draft and, you know, we know how impressive Danny and Neil have been all draft season long with this stuff. I'm a huge fan of their analysis. They were on this show talking draft. Um, 
last week. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm very much looking forward to it. And of course, as we mentioned in the commercial and right now, bar our uh, crosstown, no, third time's a charm. South Burbs Hitman, Monday night. We'll talk about the White Sox series with Boston. Very much looking forward to that. So that's our show. And, you know, I'm very excited about how this went. Mark Carmen was an outstanding guest. If you're just tuning in now, you could catch in on Spotify, Apple, watch the pre-recordings on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, all of it. I'm very happy to be a part of this with all of you. It's been a great start to the baseball season in terms of content and fun. The White Sox need to get their asses in gear. And I, I think Mark is right in saying they'll be thanking the Cubs by the end of the season for helping them get in gear. I actually think they're going to be thanking the Angels because that almost comeback really propelled them into actually winning the next game against the Angels and then these two against the Cubs. I think we'll actually be thanking the Angels by the end of the year, but that's not here nor there. The White Sox need to take care of their own business, and hopefully they do this weekend, and we will be back to recap it on the Barroom Network Monday night. Make sure you're following me, at Vinny Parisi, on Twitter. Make sure you're following at Barroom Network on Twitter, and throw a, throw a nice follow to Mark Carmen. He's outstanding. He's got great stuff. The DeWindy City Podcast, the Baseball Insiders Podcast. You can catch him at the Carm. So as always, thank you for listening.